Welcome to Pocket Fiction by Steve Cook. The Illusionist, a short story in the Noctis Point universe. There isn't a bar to speak of at Noctis Point, but that's only because no one calls Room 111 a bar. On the map, it's a staff room, and until about six months ago it was just that, a brown space with brown chairs and, if you were lucky, substandard coffee and biscuits. What does the research team need more than that? Things changed when Frank Barnes, PhD, got a microbrewery in a box for Christmas. Suddenly Noctis Pint was the order of the day. He got permission to set up a kitty for the ingredients, one that was far more successful than the milk float ever had been, and we were in business. Instead of going back to wives, husbands, cats, empty apartments, we went to room 111 to chew over the day. It was cathartic. Problems that we'd bashed our heads over all day suddenly seemed clearer when viewed through the lens of conversation and alcohol consumption. Of course, the patrons of Room 111 were the willing audience to more than a few stories. We dealt with the cutting edge of human research, exploratory science that walked the line of believability and, more often than not, crossed it completely. It was the end of a long day, and I'd been wrestling with the equivalency equations for Principal Reeve's new toy, a type of heat gun designed to incapacitate its victim through excessive itching. Without much success, I was more than ready when Cathy Hoy, my benchmate, slapped me on the shoulder. Pint? Pint, I said, throwing my pencil down. We chatted about the minutiae of the day on the way down to room 111, but our conversation died as we approached the door. Inside, we could hear the sound of raised voices. We looked at each other, and Cathy frowned. That sounds like Asaf, she said, and pushed the door open. It was indeed Asaf, his normally passive face darkly furious. And I'm telling you, there's no such thing as psychic powers! He was shouting. I looked at the recipient of this statement and wasn't surprised to see the ginger hair and boyish freckled face of Zane Fallon. At that moment, I was sure that it was the usual case of such a performance. Zane, the bane of the research department, not for his uniquely insightful and sharp mind, nor for his incredible advances in the field of zero-point energy, but for his propensity to be in the middle of every wind-up, every prank of which you could think. But now I saw he wasn't happy at all. In fact, he looked more worried than anything. You've got to shake it off, he shouted back over the sound of people on both sides trying to support their principal speakers. It's all just a glamour, an illusion. The illusion's on you, Asaf shouted and threw his hands up. I'm done. You're all patently insane and I'll have no more of it. So saying, he stormed towards the door, towards us. I moved to block his path, one hand on his arm. Good heavens, Asaf, what's all this about? It depends, he said, narrowing his eyes. Do you believe all this rubbish about psychic powers? I paused and cleared my throat. <coughs> I think we'd better sit down and you can tell me about what's happened, I said. I saw in his eyes a look of hurt betrayal, and then he shook his arm free of my hand and pushed through the doors. Slowly, the room returned to its normal buzz of conversation, and I watched as Zane dragged himself over to the little metal brewery and poured himself a half of NP. I left Cathy talking with one of her other teammates and went over to him. What was that all about? He turned in fright, almost dropping his glass, then relaxed when he saw it was me. Thank goodness. I thought for a minute he'd come back. 
We moved over to a sofa and sat down. As he took a long sip, I pressed him for some explanation. It was one of the students, Kingley his name is, big Eastern Territories guy. He's pretty good, knows his stuff, and he's got the psych to back it up. He's doing his thesis on illusion, and the chemical processes induced thereby in the mind. It's more philosophical than a lot of the stuff we get here. There's all sorts of things about whether what you see is really there and whether your perceived reality differs from someone else, that sort of thing. He was looking for volunteers for an experiment. This is lunchtime, you understand, so everyone's mixing in together. Asaf, Hermione, Johnson and one of the pet scientists. I forget her name. Anyway, they say they'll help and we all go down to one of the observation rooms on B4. We get there and he explains that he's going to try and produce a mass illusion that will be imperceptible from reality for the subject. We laugh a little at this, but good-naturedly, you know? Illusionary psyching is a bit of a dark art. It's easy enough to create the illusion of, say, a red sphere hanging in the air, except that we as humans are pretty good at spotting things that are almost real, but not exactly real. Almost immediately, your unconscious mind would start to rebel, even as the psych puts energy into fooling your conscious mind for just a moment longer. I nod, because this is fairly textbook stuff, but Zane keeps talking, and I let him. It was like the very act of explaining every detail was having a calming effect on him. It's easier to summon up something more all-encompassing, for instance, that you weren't in the room anymore, but that you were actually on the edge of an active volcano. But then details would be missing. I might add the breeze on your face, but forget about the heat and the smell of sulphur. So you feel like you're still here, and it smells like a bar. I might take away the noise of this room and replace it with bubbling lava, but I don't know what that sounds like, maybe I get it wrong, and perhaps you do know what it sounds like, and so on. So he sits them down on chairs and asks them to close their eyes and hushes them. We're all wondering what we're going to be seeing, or even if we'll be able to see anything. Then, after a minute or so, he gets up and smiles. I'm done, he says. Open your eyes. They open their eyes and look around, and of course one of us asks, What can you see? Asaf shouts back, Everything looks normal! I don't understand! And the four of them, the test subjects, they start talking about whatever it is they can't see. King Lee comes over to us and gives us a big grin. I've changed their perception of the world, he says. The four of them believe they're not psychs anymore. They can't access their powers, they can't use their SI, they can't do anything. Better than that, they don't believe psychs exist. As far as they're concerned, this is just a normal research centre. We laughed, of course, at their expense. We talked with them. Sure enough, they didn't have the first idea about psyching. We demonstrated a couple of simple bits of TK, and their response was incredulity. I floated a pen in the air for Asaf, and he took his glasses off and peered at it, and then he began to try and work out how I was doing it. It couldn't even enter his mind that I might have psychic powers, because that wasn't scientific enough for him. He started to try and find strings, then miniature repulsors and force fields, as if we have anything that small yet. And then, when he was out of options, he began to get cross. We were killing ourselves laughing, of course. He accused us of taking him for a ride. And that's when Kingley decided that enough was enough. He shepherded the four of them back to their seats and asked them to close their eyes. But Asaf wouldn't. He couldn't let go of the scientific impossibility of what he was seeing, and he was getting more and more agitated about it. We could see Kingley getting out of his depth, so we came in to try and help. And that was probably about the worst thing we could do. Zane paused to take a gulp of his beer, half-draining it. Why? I prompted. Well, because we basically held him down in the chair with Psyche. He was raging, foaming at the mouth, effing and blinding as well, and he's normally such an even, measured type of man. 
Kingley looked pale and shaken. He clearly wasn't expecting this, and it was all on video as well, don't forget. Kingley fixes each of the others, convinces them to close their eyes, and then removes the illusion for them. Then he gets to Asaf, and Kingley closes his eyes. After a moment, he frowns. I can't get into his mind, he says. He's shielding it from me. We all look at Kingley. But you just said he couldn't psych, doesn't even believe that psych exists, I said. Kingley goes even more pale. I don't know what to tell you, sir. He's shielding his mind psychically. Locked it down tight so I can't get in. Well, I had a look at the problem then. I'm no illusionist, few enough on the staff that are, but I know shielding. Sure enough, there's a rock-solid shield around Asaf's mind. Nothing's getting in, nothing's getting out. His unconscious brain has somehow managed to put up that shield and maintain it to the point where any attempt to break it would probably break his mind as well. Zane fell silent and we finished our drinks. What now then, I asked. That's the worst bit. He kept ranting about how it was us that were in the illusion. He was the only one who could see the reality, about how we needed to wake up. Zane looked morosely into the dregs of his beer. Principal Reeves going to have him shipped back to Earth for a quiet and comfortable retirement. He shrugged, took my glass and stood up. If that's the reality he's living in, I think I'd like to wake up as well. Another pint? <laughs>